Yeah, I know those cycles don't last very long. That was just more. In- that's that's interesting. That it's also interesting to me how in depth they would have to go because there's so many links in that chain. It's amazing to me that that you're saying they're very quick about it, and you know, because the first thing I hear is government, and the second thing I hear is that is a lot of parts that they have to touch to figure this out. So that's impressive. Talk Academy, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brendan Black, and today's episode is a very exciting one. This is our first ever interview with a non-agricultural individual. Yeah, this is our first average consumer conversation that we've had on the podcast, and I, I gotta say, it was really fun. Uh, Patrick and I met in an online community, and we got some great conversations going about agriculture and about the podcast and about you know what I was trying to do, and he was really interested in the project. He has a very minor background in agriculture, I guess, with, you know, being from Louisiana, but it was really interesting to hear his curiosity and interest in the, in the subject, and all the questions they came up with were actually really, really good questions. So it's, it is a bit of a longer interview, so I'm not going to take up much more time. I just wanted to give this little intro, but it was really fun, and thanks again, Patrick, for tuning in, and make sure you stay till the end, but I'm just going to let you guys know there is going to be a part two to this interview just because of how much we wanted to talk about and how little time we had. So in a couple weeks, that's going to be coming out, so look forward to that as well, and thank you and enjoy. So I'm here today with Patrick. Uh, I've been talking to Patrick quite a bit over uh, online on the Reddit communities I've been involved in lately that I've talked about in previous episodes. And Patrick is going to actually help me talk about today uh, some consumer issues, questions, comments, concerns that are facing the ag industry that farmers and other uh, individuals involved in this industry aren't quite as aware of. And we'll get more on that later. But first of all, I'd like Patrick to kind of give himself a little introduction and talk about uh, anything he wants to mention before we get into this conversation. So, Patrick? Hey, Brendan, thank you so much for uh, reaching out to me on the Reddit and giving me a chance to hop on and talk about things. This is I've been looking forward to this quite a lot. Um, so a little bit about me. I guess I'm, uh, I grew up in southeast Louisiana, so I am aware, at least tangentially, of especially uh, dairy industry. So I, I didn't work in it, but I grew up around it, and everybody in the area did, so I, I was aware of that. Um, so yeah, this will be fun. It'll be kind of fun to re- rehash some of those some of those roots. And uh, also, I'm I uh, I co-host a podcast uh, with uh, my friend Becky. We uh, do the Silly Mundane Things podcast. We talk about all kinds of things. Um, and kind of on a little bit of a hiatus right now with uh, all the events happening right now. It's just uh, been quite a lot. We actually have some stuff recorded that we haven't released yet. So we're just kind of sitting on that for a minute. And then uh, yeah, so I've I've been looking to guest on some shows and. And Brendan was so kind to invite me on, so I'm really excited to, to be here and, and say hello. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I'm very glad to have this conversation with you today. Uh, I've, I've said on multiple occasions in episodes that I've been looking for someone uh, from a non-agricultural community or, or with less of an agricultural background to talk to because it seems to be uh, part of the disconnect that I've seen, at least between uh, consumers and producers, is just that we don't have enough conversations. Uh, consumers assume a lot about farmers and farmers can, uh, assume a lot about consumers and there's not a whole lot of middle ground being uh, discussed. And that's that's where I come in. I try to mitigate some of that uh, lack of conversation. So that's why that's what we're doing here today. So um, 
you you kind of answered my first question there uh, just to kind of establish a, a basic understanding of where we're at in terms of your agricultural literacy as, as we refer to it here on the show. Uh, I, I was going to ask you what your knowledge or background of agriculture is, and you, you basically discussed that. You're, you're more exposed to the dairy side of, of agriculture, and you said southeast Louisiana, right? Correct, yes. Um, my, I had some friends who who did some dairy, and they did some they did some uh, uh, gracious. The, the term escapes me, but they did some some of the the meat cows. Gracious, what is the word? No. <laughs> Goodness, beef. beef. Well, yeah, no beef. But the, 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 there's a what, there's a term. What is the term of the cow? You have you have milk cows, and you have uh, what what's the uh, veal calves? I don't remember. No, well, it wasn't veal calves, but it was. I don't anyway. Meat cow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll get into that later, and that kind of starts to establish the foundation. You're off to a great start here, Patrick. <laughs> it's okay. The moo cow. It goes the moo cow. The correct. <laughs> but um, no, I, I I wanted to establish some some very very basic questions that I've often faced uh, some complications within the ag industry. And when I say complications, I just mean that I've discuss these questions with individuals that have had less than ideal answers to them and so i wanted to see what your responses were to some of them just from what i can tell from from our conversation before this episode most of them i'm pretty sure i can assume that you know the answer to but i just wanted to establish and for all of our listeners this is by no means to deem patrick as as un knowledgeable in agriculture this isn't to to appear condescending or to kind of you know show off as like hey i know more than this guy about agriculture uh this is just to kind of establish a, a strong basis of like where intellectually can i communicate this information without it being over his head and without being condescending to him at the same time so um this is kind of just the 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 background or like the, the foundational questions i'm going to be asking every consumer that we have on this show from here on out just to just to kind of give everyone a good idea of what we're dealing with here so um, you already uh, talked about what knowledge of agriculture you have. Uh, cows go moo, obviously. Yes. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the que- my second question was, where does your food come from? And the reason I asked this question is because we have a lot of people who have very different opinions on how food gets from wherever it originates to their plate. And I'm, I'm assuming you, you, having already answered this question, uh, can answer it fairly accurately. So just real quick, where do you think food comes from? It comes from Walmart, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, that is a broad question. I assume it, it does. You know, it comes from farmers. It comes from agriculture because you know you have farmers who specialize in in growing, and you have farmers who specialize in meat and cows and pigs and etc. Right? So, exactly. Okay. So, and that's that's the the bare bones answer I was looking for was just that it comes from agriculture, it comes from cultivation, from farming. Any of those answers would have been acceptable. Um, you don't have to go into the full depth of you know it goes from you know a seed to a, a crop to a, you know it gets picked and then it goes through the processing and like you you don't have to go through all that. Just all I need to know is that you understand that it comes from agriculture. And uh, one of the biggest things I, I like to point out to my guests to kind of throw them for a loop is that there's a, a statistic that gets thrown around quite a bit um, in the ag education ag literacy communities that is. Uh, quite quite old now it's it's from 2011 i usually don't cite those as as accurate statistics anymore but there hasn't been a newer uh, study to really relate that to that statistic anymore so i still use it but basically uh, a survey conducted by the farmers and ranchers alliance con- said that about 72 percentish of americans know next to nothing about agriculture they don't know where the food comes from they think it just shows up in a grocery store something along those lines okay then <laughs> well 
Uh, so so Walmart would be would actually be a lot of people's answer then. <laughs> right. And that's why I asked the question, not because I, I don't assume that you know that food comes from agriculture, but because there's quite a bit of people that accurately or not accurately, but le- legitimately believe that it just shows up in a grocery store. They pull it out of the, out of the back, uh, the back rooms and it's just there forever. And so it's it's somewhat alarming. But that's that's why I need to ask. Okay. I, I need to know that you you have that understanding. I guess statistically speaking, if you have four guests on here, three of them are going to say Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we're just, if we just take them from random communities, you have a, a fairly high statistic of, of two to three of them thinking it's from Walmart. Yes, that's gracious. That's kind of the <laughs> now wow. you know our problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As a business person, awareness is everything. It's like if you're not aware, that that's already big, like screaming that's, red letters. <laughs> that, that's red flag number one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's and that's the reason we started this podcast. You know, we, we, we see that as a big issue. We, we're trying to kind of fix that. Gracious. So, uh, my my second question for you, uh, could you explain? And, and it doesn't you don't have to go into the full process, but could you explain um, where chocolate milk comes from? I can't say to the chocolate side of things, but milk comes from the cow, and then they and that hmm, that's a good question actually because the milk comes from the cow, but I don't know how they mix that or how that or that because you get chocolate milk from you know you can buy it from the same dairy or whatever that you get regular milk from so i i i don't know the finer points of that so that's that's a really good question yeah i like that (laughs) the fact that you didn't say that it comes from brown cows is is the most ideal Uh situation (laughs) okay i'm just overthinking this i'm just i'm like i don't know how that works (laughs) and that's and that's why i have to ask these questions because i don't want you to overthink it and think i'm trying to trick you or anything but just just to give you another scary statistic about 48 percent of americans don't know where chocolate uh, uh, chocolate milk comes from and you'd probably fall into that category they don't know that it it just you know is, is it's in its most basic form, it's just regular milk they pull from cows and they mix it with chocolate, which they get from cocoa beans. And there's a whole process to that that I'm not going to explain. Yeah, I was just thinking more like the factory process, like because it often does come from the same, you know, dairy for lack of a better right. word. Like down yeah. home is Kleinpeter, so you get Kleinpeter regular milk and you get Kleinpeter chocolate milk. So they mix it themselves at wherever you know wherever it's all processed. But yeah, yeah no, we have we have milk providers here, like uh, Rosa Brothers, for example. I'm I'm not sure if you guys have Rosa Brothers all the way out there, but it's a it's a local. Dairy product uh, provider that they have chocolate milk, they have banana milk, strawberry milk. They have all these different flavors. Oh, nice! And it always cracks me up because whenever they say, "Well, chocolate milk comes from brown cows," well, where where's the pink cows for the strawberry milk? Where's the yellow cows for the banana milk? Like, <laughs> there's there's a little bit of a, a missing link here. But um, uh, another statistic for you: about seven percent of Americans think that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. They legitimately believe, and they're adults, by the way. Oh um, my! <laughs> and they don't have words. Right. So you're, you're starting to see our, our issue here. So, um, yeah. I, I do have a couple more, uh, just, just ground, uh, you know, baseline questions and they're more just cause I'm, I'm having fun with this. And I like to scare you with statistics. <laughs> That's um, fine. I love numbers. <laughs> so this is great. Uh, so the next one, uh, could you explain, um, the source of hamburgers or more like hamburger meat? Well, the clown, he escaped from the circus, and he, <laughs> uh, they come from cows, uh, from from the non-dairy cow, the, the, the meat cow that we talked about earlier, <laughs> the beef cow, um, and uh, I don't know what parts of the cow, but they process that into ground beef and just turned into hamburger patties, and okay. you grill said hamburger patties and make them delicious, because the hamburgers are wonderful. 
precisely and that's exactly what i was looking for it's just they, they come from i would have even if you if you would have said they they come from dairy cows i would have accepted that because uh, as we can get into a little bit later dairy cows are actually also used for beef purposes uh there there's an really? industry entirely dedicated just to beef and then the dairy cows if they get to the end of their life cycle if they're not productive anymore if they're starting to have um issues you know moving around or, or you know if they just get too old then they get sent to the beef plant just you know that way they don't have to live in in, in pain all the time they kind of just get put out of their misery and they turned into burgers um, that makes sense i mean it's yeah. less wasteful and and that's also you know from a economic standpoint if you're feeding a cow that's not producing it's also not good so you that that makes sense all around Exactly. And so that way, it, and like I said, we can get more into that later, but basically uh, just uh, the reason I have to ask that statistic is because about 20% of adults uh, don't know where it comes from beef. They think that it's either from pigs or that it doesn't come from animals at all. Well, hmm, I have a question for you, um, we, which we can circle back to later. Um, but I, I'd be, are you, do you focus on well, we can, we can circle back to it or you can cut this or whatever, but <laughs> edit <laughs> anyway. Um, but uh, do you, do you focus more on the 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 planting side of things? The, the I, I couldn't the, the 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 like crop science style. Yes. Kinda? Yeah. Are, are you more on the crop side, or are you more on the on the uh, on the animal side, on the livestock? So, in terms of, are, are you saying with the with the content I produce on this podcast, or me personally as an individual? You're, you're, I guess, what is your primary, it sounds like you have a quite a, a broad spectrum of knowledge, but what is your specialty? Do you specialize in the, in the livestock or in the agriculture? So I, uh, more accurately, uh, would say that I am more specialized in the animal agriculture style, um, that I, I think I know more about more aspects of animal agriculture than I do about crop science, but because I've, I've been doing this podcast and because I want to become an agriculture teacher, I've kind of prioritized learning a lot more about crop science. So I have uh, a good a good range of knowledge in all in all areas okay perfect but um yeah you a lot of my statistics are animal agriculture based because that is where i'm most comfortable so I, i'm assuming that's where you that's where you got that <laughs> yeah well my thought process was it's like okay if he focuses more so i was gonna give you a trick question it's like how do you feel about like impossible burgers and that kind of stuff because mm. they're still plant-based but it's like if he focuses <laughs> on the animal side he's probably not very happy about that but if he focuses on the plants on the uh, he's like yeah i love it this is great you know we're gonna <laughs> keep me very busy but well the impossible burger is is that's a whole thing. I mean, I I could go in. I can go in on that for hours. As an animal agriculture fan, I'm not a fan of it. Mm -hmm. As as a supporter of agriculture as an industry, the fact that it's being produced at all just is supporting agriculture, which I'm fine with. I think that the uh, politics behind it is a little silly, but that's a topic for another day. Um, I think that the Impossible Burger is a very incredible. Uh, development in science i'll say that at least because it is kind of incredible that they were able to create a burger that so uh closely resembles actual beef i've never actually tried one myself so i can't say anything in regards to its taste but i've, I've been told that they taste very similar i've also been told they taste nothing like it so i can't speak on that on that behalf but the part of me that is more inclined to uh, side with the animal agriculture side of things is is less reliant or uh, less dependable on trusting the the plant-based foods I'll say that much. That makes sense, and I wasn't trying to incite. By the way, I was no, by, that, by that, uh, perfect. It's like <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder, just wonder where he falls on that because it, it is. It seems to be a net positive for agriculture 
um, as far as because you know we're gonna you know if we were to go away completely from meat, then we're gonna need a whole lot more plants. That's just how there this is all there is to it. So it seems to be a, a net positive for agriculture in general. But uh, um, similarly, I have not tried it. I can't I can't speak to it. Um, it's just more of an interesting thing, like you say, from a science standpoint. It's like the, wow, they 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 made. <laughs> vegetables taste like meat that's that's like that, that's like as as a very picky eater I'm like that how do you do this because I, I need to get more vegetables in me you know I, I, I love my I love my steak and my pork and hamburgers and stuff and this, mm. you know, spinach and broccoli yeah not so much so if you can trick my brain to make it that think like it's a hamburger I'm cool with that no I, I definitely see where you can where you can come from from that perspective I'm def I'm a picky eater as well so I, I definitely get that um I think that like I said, the science behind it is very impressive. I'll, I'll say that much in, in the least. And uh, we, we can get into this a little bit more as time goes on as well. But uh, the science aspects of agriculture are just as important, if not more, than the farming aspects nowadays. Like science and, and technological advancement is a massive part. And that's why a lot of people in the agricultural industry no longer consider themselves just farmers or ranchers. They consider themselves agriculturalists because it's a much, it's a much broader spectrum. Agriculture can mean uh, you're a scientist, you're a researcher, you're a businessman, you're, you know, there's a lot of different hats that are under the, the agricultural spectrum rather than just farming and ranching. And oh, so, for sure. yeah. So I think that the, the, the science behind the impossible burger is, is definitely very impressive and I won't deny that at all. I just think that if, I don't think that personally it's, it's possible for us to fully get away from meat because like you said, we we can't produce enough crops with as little land and, and resources as we have to to equate the amount of, of food we have to produce to, to feed our population. But if it were to come to it and we were to go entirely plant-based, the fact that we have that technology available is somewhat reassuring. Indeed, indeed. Oh, I just hit my mic. Oh, gracious. <laughs> yeah, I just so, saw the waveform spike. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> So my final question to you before we get into the actual uh, more in-depth conversations like we just had, uh, it, this one's a little bit more, I guess I would consider it a little bit higher on the difficulty scale. Uh, just, you know, if you were to ask the average person this, they would probably not fully understand what you're asking or they wouldn't get it right. Uh, true or false, cows must give birth in order to produce milk. I would say true initially but as long as you continue to milk uh they will continue to produce milk um i would i would think that yeah i'm gonna say true initially <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's a, that's an accurate statement and and i i assume you know being raised around the dairy industry you've kind of learned that over time but uh yeah with with any mammal uh their biology does not you know play favorites with any mammal, it's not possible for a female to produce milk, and only females can produce milk, by the way. That's why cows are, are female and, and bulls are male. Um, but it's not possible for a female to produce milk without having conceived an offspring. And you're, you're also right in the fact that it's not just, you know, they have the baby, they get milked once, they're done forever. They get milked for a, a long period over time, but they do have to be rebred in order to restock that milk production because they don't just milk forever after having that calf. Oh, okay. I wasn't. I wasn't aware of that. Actually, I. I <clears throat> excuse me. I, I was under the impression that as long as you continued to milk, their body would continue to produce. So I did not realize that they had to, to have another cow in order later on. How 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 long does that period last? Uh, until they need to be rebred. Correct. Yes. Uh, so they have what's called estrus cycles, and um, estrus cycles are basically the cycles through which uh, you can plan out uh, at what point they'll be ready to be bred back. Basically, uh, what at what point they're reproductively um accepting and 
by planning out these estrus cycles you can kind of dictate at that at, at what point your your cow is ready to be rebred again so it's there's no surefire way of saying oh yeah it's exactly six months before they do it again it kind of just depends on the cow and and the operation and how much they're trying to produce at a certain given capacity so um basically it's it's usually a couple you know it, it could be a couple months afterwards it just kind of depends on on the cow and how strong she is if she's an older cow if she's a new heifer it kind of just it depends and so if you like like for example most cows produce and i i could be a little bit inaccurate inaccurate in this because um the, the numbers change over time but if if i'm not mistaken cows produce roughly three to four calves for a for an for an average cow healthier cows can produce five to six calves in their lifetime uh, weaker cows can only produce maybe one to two it just depends um but in, in their average lifespan they produce uh, three to four calves and they produce calves every nine months and so after nine months they wait a month or two of that cow being milked and, and kind of nursed back to health and then they they breed her again so that way she could be pregnant and producing that entire time Okay, so so you're talking roughly a year um, of milking before between before they go for another baby, roughly. Yeah, just about. So okay, at, at that's all shorter times... than I would have assumed. Honestly, that's that's interesting. And also, hmm. So that leads me to the question of so there's you're sharing milk with the baby because you know there's you have the calf to contend with as well. So how much how much milk is typical for a cow on a, a on a given day? I guess since you're because uh, I after after a period of time, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be, hmm, what's what I'm looking for? After a period of time, you're going to be uh, getting just milk after, you know, after the calf is no longer feeding from the, the mom. So how much of an increase are you looking at after, after the baby stop, is weaned? So the, the logistics are a little bit unclear because there's a lot of factors that are taken into place. Uh, there's different breeds, obviously. So uh, with the uh, you have Holsteins that are black and white, and uh, those cows can produce uh, more milk than than most other breeds. They're actually um, Holsteins and Jerseys are the two most primarily used breeds because of that reason. Uh, Holsteins produce the most milk per cow, and and Jerseys produce uh, milk that's a lot higher in butter fat, which is used for different purposes. But um, Holsteins on average can produce i mean it, it excuse me like i said it depends on your operation but they can produce quite a bit of milk uh, per day like uh, i think the average per holstein is like 7.5 gallons a day or something like that uh, i could be completely wrong on that but it all depends on your on your uh, nutrition on your feeding operation on your size of your operation like there's a lot of factors that go into that but they produce a, a substantial amount of milk and as far as feeding the calf goes there's a whole system for that as well and um without going too far into the uh the animal rights argument to say in the least uh calves are actually uh separated from their mothers temporarily or sometimes uh for for long periods of time initially after birth for a few reasons first of all it keeps the calf safe in, in case the mother uh, or another cow in the pen accidentally steps on it or, or harms it in any way um, it gives the mother time to recover and try to get back on her feet and uh, it gives the calf some time to kind of be independent and learn how to how to survive without its mother around, which is really good for its health. And so, in that process, that cow or or any other you know any fr what we call fresh cows, which are cows that have just given birth, are immediately milked because that milk that they initially produce is called colostrum. It's a milk that is uh, only present for a short period of time. And I can't remember the exact period of time. That might be twenty four hours. Might be a few days. I can't remember exactly. But that colostrum is extremely high in antibodies it's high in nutrition and, and different nutrients that the calf needs to, to grow and so 
they they collect all of this colostrum and separate it because some cows are going to produce more than others and they give all that colostrum back to the calves immediately that way the calves can still grow strong and if that calf gets paired with a mom that just doesn't produce enough milk for that calf that calf still gets the supplement that she needs very interesting i'm actually quite aware of the colostrum side of things um mm. uh from uh, my wife you know because i have oh. kids and so yeah yeah so <laughs> i'm like oh yeah yeah i know all these terms yeah this is great <laughs> that that's yeah. that's one of the things i always i always forget because you know humans produce colostrum too so correct people, yes when, whenever i talk to people about colostrum they're like oh yeah my you know my, my wife just had a baby so she produces that and it's like oh yeah people do that too <laughs> all the mammals correct that's i guess i should take a note for my own book um but uh so yeah that's that's kind of the just going into the dairy side of things um that's the uh the basic description of the of the milk producing process so uh, before we move on do you have any other questions about that particular industry no that was interesting thank you yeah for sure uh so that was it for my foundational questions. I've kind of got a pretty good gauge of, of how, you know, how knowledgeable you are in this subject and how, you know, where your curiosity is kind of at. So I can kind of base my, my questions off of that. Um, just, you know, a few, a few uh, foundational in the sense of, of awareness questions. Um, have you heard much about agriculture or the food system or anything like that on social media? Have you seen posts about it? Have you seen people talking about farming or, or agriculture in any kind of sense and if so what what have you heard about it um so here's where i feel like my breakdown of knowledge is mm. i am tangentially aware of how the farming system works just growing up in a small town with you know a lot of dairy farmers and that kind of stuff but what i know nothing about basically is once it leaves the farm you know there i know there's a whole in-between process between mm. farm and walmart <laughs> for, for the so it's like there's a whole in-between process and you know like milk has to be pasteurized and and mm-hmm. you know so is that done by the farmer you know does the farmer so whenever let's say let's keep with the cow example when cow is milked they take mm-hmm. the raw milk and take it somewhere is that usually handled by the farmer as well or does he take it to somebody else to handle that um where how does distribution work from there because i'm very interested in that so the supply chain is actually a very integral part to agriculture, and it's one that's often overlooked by most consumers. They, like you know, like you said, they they don't really know that whole middle step process, and it's uh, it's actually one of the most important parts of the food we eat because that's how we know it's safe, that's how we know it's dependable, um, that's how we you know can not get sick from from raw materials. So to answer your question, the farmer does not handle once the once the product is produced. That's it. The farmer sends it off, and he doesn't touch it again. And so, okay, so that so he, he sells it to that at that point, and and, and it's not his baby anymore. So, correct. in my example, Klein Peter, they don't make the milk; they buy the milk from the farmers, and then they do all the processes, pasteurizing, and send it to Walmart <laughs> to be sold. Right. So that's they're they're uh, they're considered a middleman uh, step to the operation, and there are some. Uh, you know, larger scale dairy operations. I'm choosing dairy as an example. This is true for all industries. They just have different levels of, of steps to the process. So like the beef industry, the poultry industry, eggs, wool, they're all going to have different steps to the same result in, in that we get the product at the end. But the number of steps and, and how those steps are handled is going to be a slight difference in, in each industry. But just for dairy, for example, there are some dairy operations that I know of that actually handle their own production of milk. They handle the pasteurization, they handle the packaging, and then they handle the marketing all in one go 
go. And those are very few and far in between. Most dairy farmers, they produce the milk. The milk gets picked up by a truck and gets sent off to the next step. And they're part of uh, either a, an LLC, which, you know, if you're familiar with business, which you said you are, you, I'm sure you understand what all, mm-hmm. all that stuff is, is incorporated with. Um, so they're usually part of an LLC or they're part of a larger corporation or they're part of some, you know, collection of, of other farmers in a community that they all have their milk go to one location and that's where it gets pasteurized, you know, sterilized and, and processed and packaged and, you know, that's where it starts to go down the, the chain of how it gets to the, the point where we can buy it in gallons of, and jugs at, at the supermarket. So that, this gives me a question. So whenever you have an issue, let's say you have whatever uh, uh, some kind of some something happens in a breakdown and you get a, a breakout of some kind you you mm-hmm. you see lettuce recalls happen yeah. on occasion that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. is that why all the you know the milk in california or whatever will have to be recalled because so many farmers bring everything to that middleman and to, to be processed and then they can't tell where it came from they just know that you know this this one processing plant took everything and so we don't know where it came from we just know that it came here and that it all and then it got spread out to these you know the, these areas is, is that how they are able to narrow that down if there's an affected you know issue with a crop or a, or, or meat or whatever yeah so uh, food safety is a very um it's it's always been a big a concern in, in agriculture and it's, it's rapidly becoming an even bigger concern because over time we've seen consumers become more and more interested in where their food comes from and slightly more concerned about some of these issues because like you said they see recalls happening of lettuce and of tomatoes and you know some meats are, are now not safe and so they, they don't know what to excuse me what to trust and so we see a lot of that kind of stuff happening and there's a, a very long and and drawn out process in, in how that all is handled there's a lot of um first of all like i'll just very briefly go over all the steps that that are are not all of them but the very basic steps to go into uh recalling in terms of food safety but basically you have the cdc or you know like the whatever like cdc is at least in the united states i'm not sure how it is in, in other countries um if, if they use you know similar processes or not but at least in the united states cdc is used to uh, do hazard analysis. So they go to the site where the outbreak first occurred. And the outbreak is defined by a few different things. It depends on on certain factors. But if it affects a certain number of people and it's a certain product, then it's considered an outbreak. But if it affects like one person, one time, in one instance, it's not considered an outbreak. So there's certain uh, criteria that have to check the box before they consider it a, a big issue and, and worth contacting farmers about. But basically, it, it goes backwards through the chain. So the CDC goes and analyzes. They send all their information to the FDA, the USDA, all these other uh, government organizations that are responsible for that food dis- the distribution process. And a lot of them have to do with uh, – because the government is, is actually part of uh, partially, partially responsible for the safety inspection and quality control that goes into – uh, the the production agriculture side of things. So like there's there's government officials that actually come to farms and inspect everything and say this isn't clean, this isn't up to regulation, this needs to be higher, this needs to be lower, like all this kind of stuff to make sure that they're following guidelines, to make sure that all of their uh, quality control criteria is checked off, all their safety analysis is, is clear, and that they're free to produce the food. So is, is that the Department of Agriculture that does that? The uh, yeah, the United States Department of Agriculture, the USDA, is uh, one of the one of the uh, departments that is responsible for that. The FDA also has a role in it, but they have a slightly different role. It depends on what in, which industry you're talking about. I believe for dairy, it is the USDA, but like for poultry and eggs, I think the FDA takes it over. They all kind of split up their responsibility in different ways. 
Interesting. It, okay, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to derail. I was like, oh yeah, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. But yeah, the USDA uh, take you know they they send a representative down there. They have them inspect everything, tell them it's good. So when an outbreak happens. Uh, the CDC gets all their information. They send it off to the FDA and the USDA, and they analyze it and say, okay, at what point along the chain did we see this stop working? Like, at what point did we have the least inspection? At what point did we pay the least attention? And they go all the way backwards up the chain. They go to the transportation and check all the trucks to make sure the trucks were clean. They go through the manufacturers of the of the uh, packaging and make sure all the machines are clean, all the packaging is clean, all the employees are wearing gloves, all the, you know, everything. And then, like, they... they back up through the, the pasteurization process and make sure that the pasteurization machines are all clean and up to code. And then they go all the way back to the farmers and they check every single farmer and all of their operations to see if they could find the source of it. Sometimes they do. And, and there are cases where it doesn't fully get found, but for the most part, they have very in-depth uh, controlled um, criteria that the help from preventing these kinds of things from happening on a larger scale than they already do. So when an outbreak occurs, they pretty much handled, have it handled very, very quickly. That You hear the scare about it for a few weeks afterwards, but it's pretty much gone by the time it, it even hits the news. So, Yeah, I know those cycles don't last very long. That was just more in- – that's that's interesting. That It's also interesting to me how in-depth they would have to go because there's so many links in that chain. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me that, that you're saying they're very quick about it And you because know, the first thing I hear is government. The sick thing I hear is that is a lot <laughs> of parts that they have to touch to figure this out. So that's impressive. Oh, yeah. They have a very, very elaborate system for analyzing all of that stuff and making sure that all their ducks are in a row and, and making sure that, you know, anyone who was even remotely close to touching that food is uh, very carefully inspected and everything is checked and everything's good. It's a very, you know, nice and tidy system. And that's partially uh, that's part of the reason why the United States is is kind of um, adorned the crown of having the safest food supply in the world. Well, that's you know, USA, I guess. America, etc. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, and and that's like I can go in a whole speech for food safety, and I have before, but uh, that we have a lot of regulations in place regarding food safety, and there's a lot of other countries that don't have that same level of detail when it comes to analyzing and inspecting and doing all that kind of stuff. So, so that's why whenever we have foodborne out, uh, illness outbreaks, it's usually because we imported that food and it wasn't as deeply inspected as it would have been if it was grown here. That is really cool. That that's. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't have much to add. It's, that's that's pretty that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think the food safety process is definitely a very interesting process to to analyze. And I, I've been trying to find a good graphic for it. I can't seem to find one. But there's there's usually good graphics that show the full chain of what happens uh, whenever a foodborne illness outbreak happens. But um, you know, if if you're wondering about the chain of, of agriculture, uh, there's a graphic that we use a lot. Basically, it goes from production to processing to um, uh, distribution sorry i was reading something and then it goes to the restaurant slash retailer slash home preparation and then the consumer gets it from there and so like that's that's your very basic chain of how the um, industry goes so, like let's take the dairy industry for example so production milk is produced from the cow processing that's pasteurization that's that's cleaning that's you know all kinds of distribution is where it gets uh, put into bottles and and packaged and then it goes to restaurants retailers home preparation all that kind of stuff so that's that's since you were asking about sorry since you were asking about the the, the in between steps between us and the farmer that's that's your basic rundown. So when you're talking home prep, are you talking HelloFresh type? Um, and if this is sponsored by HelloFresh, man, I tell you. <laughs> but but uh, no, is this uh, is that how do they get access to to this? Because they basically get to jump ahead in line ahead of Walmart. So how do they how do they get access? 
Uh, when it comes to stuff like that, like pre-prepared meals and, and all that kind of stuff, I'm not fully aware of, of the process through which I'm sure they have some kind of connection to a distributor. And like like any retailer has connections to a distributor, so they get their uh, they get their food, uh, you know, very conveniently from like the distributor bring, brings a truck over. That's why you always see trucks at like Target and Walmart that just un- unpack all kinds of food and they they have it there at the store. Um, I'm sure HelloFresh and other uh, pre-planning meal stuff like that have some kind of connection to a distributor or maybe they even have a direct connection to a processor or even the farmer in some cases it just depends like there's uh there's some uh providers of, of food that i know of especially if they're more like on the organic side or if they have certain labels on them that they, they skip a lot of the sets they go straight from producer to processor to uh, retailer like almost immediately it just depends on what kind of connections and, and what chains need to be uh crossed to get to that level that's fair. That's fair. And uh, also out of your area of expertise, so it may not have been a fair question, but that's like, uh, no, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right, that's, cool. that's definitely something that I haven't been asked before. So I'll have to do more research on it, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's worth looking into because you know, the, the food supply chain is very important to understand. Indeed. Indeed. So thanks for hearing uh, me. <laughs> yeah. My pleasure. Uh, the next question I have, um, do you know, or do you have a general idea of, of what uh, big issues the ag industry is facing right now? Just let's say nationally. My understanding is that it is incredibly hard to make money unless you're gigantic. There, you know, the days of small dairy farms. Because, like I said, I grew up in in a lot of area of dairy farms. What I didn't say was though, um, the number of dairy farms had gone from several to just one or two. There's not, you know, the the local dairy farm guy just they don't make money. They just they they just can't make enough money to to stay open so you have to be huge or you don't survive mm. that that seems to be the biggest issue at least in you know small town america that i can see yeah no it's definitely i would say if, if we were to rank the issues like that's easily top three like biggest issues just staying alive is is a huge issue right now just because of of a bunch of different factors i'd say that staying alive is probably the byproduct issue of a few different combined issues um so in no particular order, I think that some of the biggest issues we're facing are urbanization. So obviously the farmers have a lot less land to work with. Uh, regulation is a big one, especially here in California. Farmers are, are not allowed to do a lot of the things that they need to do. Um, California in particular, water is a massive issue. I know that's not an issue in a lot of other states, um, but water is, is huge here. And I think at least personally, there, there's a bunch of other issues I could go over, but uh, I think personally, public perception is definitely one that we're struggling with too. And not that... What is I, that? I, public perception? Basically how people view agriculture. Oh, okay, okay. I was, I'm like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so right, that's, okay. yeah, if, if there's anything I explained that you don't understand, just feel free to ask about it. Like, I... I, I know I kind of get in a habit of talking about things that people don't understand, so... No, you're good, you're good. I, I, <laughs> I just never heard that term before, but that makes yeah. sense. So um, basically what I mean by that, and I'll go over all those issues independently, but the public perception issue, uh, the thing that I think is is dangerous about it is that not not just that people don't fully understand where their food comes from. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, almost three quarters of the population thinks their food just shows up in a grocery store. That part is it's concerning in and of itself, but that's not really damaging to the ag industry. What is damaging to the ag industry is the fact that those same people are voting on regulations that are hurting farmers. And those same people are making marketing choices that are ultimately affecting farmers at the end of the day. And, you know, it's 
it's less of of those people are actively opposing agriculture. It's that the fact that they're unaware of it is causing them to make choices in their day-to-day lives that are impacting farmers that they're not even aware of. And so I think that I'm not to say that, you know, everything that they vote on is a bad thing or every regulation they pass is a bad regulation or that the, the choices they make when they buy is, are bad choices, but they're inadvertently affecting farmers in ways that are potentially dangerous and that if they, if they knew more about their decisions, it might be more beneficial to the farmers in the long run. So you need a good marketing guy. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's the big issue that we, that we face right now in the ag industry. That's part of the reason why I do this podcast. On top of everything else, it doesn't help that a lot of our, our main audience base, our main consumers, don't really know much about what we're doing. And because of that, they vote on things that are ultimately hurting the ag industry or, like I said, they're, they're buying products that are causing negative ramifications or negative perceptions of the ag industry. And labels are the, are the biggest contender to that issue. Well, how do you combat that? Because there's not... You know, a lot of farmers do come together, but a lot of even the big farmers, you know, they're still, you know, just a guy or just a family who hire a bunch of help and that kind of stuff. So how do you organize? And, you know, and they're also very, very, very busy. So um, how do you organize them to get the word out? What do you what do you do about that? So that is the golden question right now is what do we do about this? Um, I think that. First of all, I'm doing it right now. Just having conversations like these, uh, just bringing awareness to some of these issues is the most important aspect of, of trying to fix this issue. I think that a lot of people are seeing this as a, like, you know, this is never going to be fixed kind of thing. We're just in a new generation where people don't care about agriculture. I'm a little bit more optimistic than that. I think that it can be fixed. It's not going to be perfect. You're, you're never going to have a full population that's back to knowing a farmer. Like, because... You know, if you went back even 20 years ago, a lot more people were very, you know, comfortable with, with agriculture. They knew a farmer. They were very connected to the industry. Like, we're, we live in an age now where most families are two to three generations disconnected from agriculture at some degree. Like, most urban families have never even seen a cow or never even been on a farm, never even met a farmer before. And yet they vote on things that are affecting these people's lives and, and you know, ability to feed their families. And I think that... It's definitely not an easy fight. It's definitely not... And I don't like to think of it like a fight. That's that's a common misconception is that people in the ag industry are often talking about how we're against... Not against, but it's almost like we're, we're in, in the boxing match against consumers. And that's that's not at all the case. Consumers are perfectly comfortable as, you know, as I've met, as I've learned now after meeting you and some other people through the online communities, consumers are perfectly comfortable having these discussions. It's just that nobody's having them. And... One of the biggest issues I've seen is like the one you mentioned. Farmers are too busy to deal with this kind of stuff. I, I understand why they're concerned with the you know losing their land and the regulations and the lack of water and the maybe the overabundance of water in some states or you know the weather is is destroying them or you know the markets are crashing because of everything going on in our crazy world right now. Like there's there's a lot of factors that are keeping farmers distracted from this issue, and I understand that. And I perfectly you know agree that they should be focusing all of their attention on those matters because that's what they can control. And most farmers, I mean, the average age of the American farmer is like 58 years old. Oh, wow. That's, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Farmers are getting older and older. They're not going down in age. A couple years ago, it was 56. I mean, they're they're just growing in, in, in age. They're not really... The, the new generation of agriculturalists is not wide and broad enough to replace what is is needed to be replaced in order to save this industry and 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 that's kind of terrifying to me as someone who has a has a bright perspective on what this industry could accomplish and, and how important this industry is 
it's it's scary to see that we're not replacing it fast enough and that we're not gonna be able to, to save it if, if we're going at the rate that we're going and so what okay. i mean what i mean it's something like that it's gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have supply issues if you don't if you're not replacing the workers so how how are you gonna w- wouldn't that pull people in because if money start if if the prices start to go up then that would attract you know more business-minded people. It's like, wait a second, there's money to be had over there. It's like we need, we need to, we need food, and we don't have enough food, and it's costing expenses. So I'm gonna get out there and start, you know, chasing cows or whatever, whatever the <laughs> farmers do these days. <laughs> I've, I've very rapidly learned that people don't put one and one together and say this this orange costs more money than it used to. Therefore, farmers must be struggling. People don't think about that kind of stuff because, like I said, a lot of them don't even realize that that orange comes from a farmer. They think it just shows up there. And well, in seasonal stuff, it starts to get complicated too. Because like, oh wait, this is you know, because like we we do we eat a lot of fruit, but you know, blueberries right. are when you get a blueberry different times of year. It's like, oh yeah, I can tell that this you know this came from Mexico because it's yeah. you know smaller or whatever, and it's way more expensive because <laughs> it's out of season or, or or whatever the case may be. But most people are just not aware of that. It's like, why are the blueberries? 10 bucks now i don't understand you know <laughs> right yeah and and that's you know there's there's fluctuations in the market and like you said the seasons change and there's you know there's different uh there's different times where certain economies do really well because other economies are blooming and there's certain economies that crash because other economies are crashing and it's hard to convey that idea to consumers especially consumers that aren't aware of why that's happening and so the issue that we're facing right now in the ag industry on top of all the issues that are I consider more physical. I consider this issue of, of consumers not being aware of what's going on a somewhat less physical issue in the sense that it's not something that farmers can really do much about right now. It's it's not the it's not the forefront of their minds. It's not something that they prioritize. It's kind of just up in the air and it's just kind of there. But I feel and, and maybe I'm just, you know, a naive kid about this, but I feel like if if more attention was brought to this issue in particular, it might save a lot of, of other issues. Because if people were more aware of what farmers are going through and more sympathetic to that industry that's feeding them they might be more uh you know they might be more conscious in their decisions as as they go on whether it be voting or or selecting a certain products in the store or helping out just by like being more active in in helping out farming communities and not saying they have to donate to farmers because by no means the farmers are going to accept it that's just how they are but having an appreciation for the people who put in countless hours to to help out with that industry is is undeniably valuable and I'm part of a community on, on Facebook right now that's called My Job Depends on Ag. And I talked to, I've talked about them quite a bit. I've actually had the, the creators on this show a couple times. And the entire purpose of that show, they're all farmers. They're all, they're all you know, hardworking, you know, farming community guys. And they get done, you know, uh, harvesting their crops for the day. They hop on Facebook and they just talk about this stuff. But the choir that they're preaching to is all farmers you know they're not having conversations with non-agricultural people but they're talking about how important it is that non-agricultural people appreciate the the amount of work that's being put into creating their food and i always kind of laughed at that it's like well why aren't you telling telling that to them you know you want them to appreciate you but they don't even know you exist why don't you reach out to them and say hey you know how about you come see my farm how about i show you what i'm doing i explain it to you that way you can kind of get a better appreciation of, of what how much work goes into putting what's on your table right now so I, I think there's a lot of issues with the communication problem right now, and, and none of them are on the fault of consumers being actively opposed to farmers. There are some, but I think more of them are on the fault of we just have a really bad method of communication right now. And I'm trying to fix that. I'm trying to be the mitigator between that, that conversation. Well, it's one of those things that 
there's a lot of issues going on right now and I'm not going to get any kind of political or anything going <laughs> on, but it's like, there's so much stuff going on right now and, and lack of awareness in so many different areas mm-hmm. that I think if people realize what's going on in any particular area, they would real they would start to realize, Oh wait, there's a whole lot here, a lot more here than I realized, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, cause people get stuck in their bubbles cause everything is so segmented. And so, you know, you know, I'm in lending, so that's all I care about. That's all I'm worried about. You know, I right. go to Walmart and I buy my ground beef, and that's all that matters. You know, but there's a whole life of where that ground beef came from, and and to say nothing of you know the other produce or whatever. So, it, getting being a more real, well-rounded human and learning about those things, I think, is good for everyone to be able to just you know understand where these things came from. Yeah, and by no means do I expect people to go out of their way and, you know, go help out farmers or go, you know, lend a hand and, and, you know, do their part in the community. Like, that's not what I'm asking. All I'm asking is that people are more aware of their decisions, that, you know, before they before they vote on something, they really pay attention to what they're voting on. And that goes true for all things they vote on, not just agricultural-based legislation. For sure. And yep. I, Walk I think a mile that, on the person's shoes, you know, just know what exactly. you're looking at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like and I, said, I think we could, again, with the current things going on right now, I will get a little political and just be like, and just say, <laughs> say with the things going on right now, we could all stand to walk in our brothers and neighbors' shoes and realize mm-hmm. what's going on. So, in all areas of life, I completely agree. And I think that there's a lot of. There's a lot of issues facing. I'll, I'll I'll go back to agriculture for this, just because I don't. You know, I'm I'm trying not to get too off topic here. But <laughs> I, I was meaning I, it was political, and, but agricultural. Well, it's it, there's a nice mirroring of topics there. <laughs> no, absolutely. I I, I yeah. don't mean to say that you were you know stepping out of your boundaries there. But no, no, no fair, fair. <laughs> no, but uh, just just in terms of agriculture, I, I'll I'll get off my soapbox here in just a minute. But basically, all all I think that is is the the message here is that. I, I just I want consumers to be more aware of, of the process that goes into producing their food. And I think that having those conversations is really important. I think that farmers need to be more attentive to to uh, alerting consumers about these these processes. And I don't blame the farmers for being too busy for that. That's why I'm taking up the responsibility of that task. And there are other groups that are actually focusing on that same thing. Uh, National Ag in the Classroom, um, Ag Ventures, uh, My Job Depends on Ag, the Farm Bureau. Like, all these organizations are active in trying to communicate these messages to consumers. They're just, in my opinion, reaching in the wrong direction. They're heading towards other agricultural communities and teaching little kids about agriculture, which is great. I think that... Teaching kids at a young age that where their food comes from is fantastic. But if we're not having these conversations with people who are actively making consumer-based choices, then we're making a big mistake on our part. And that's why I'm trying to mitigate this. I'm trying to have conversations with people like you who are, you know, you're, you're, you're the average consumer, I would say. You're, you're fairly well-educated in, in agriculture. You may not know all the ins and outs, but you know enough to, to have a decent conversation about it. And that's what we're looking for. What we're scared of is the people who think that everything we do is evil and that farmers are plotting to take over the world and that, you know, we're trying to poison all of, all of you with pesticides and stuff. And I don't understand where that came from. I don't understand why people believe that farmers are that way because I don't think people realize that farmers eat their own food. But it's 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 a whole – that's a whole other conversation. But basically, to end my soapbox speech, I just think that it is a big issue that, that people – on both ends of that conversation are not reaching each other perfectly well. And I'm trying to help with that issue. I think you have got a, a 
good little bullhorn there to <laughs> to uh to help with that. I think that's a good thing because it's a good it's a good resource to somebody maybe like me who has a tangential awareness of what's going on. But hmm. if somebody asks, you know, hey, you you grew up in a small town, what do you know or whatever, it's like you know being able to point them to, hey, if you want to learn about some of this stuff, you know, go check this out because that little word of mouth can help you know, hopefully spread spread some things around a little bit that gets it outside of the circle a little especially yeah, if it's interesting you know and, and it's not just all about uh you know it's not it's not all about the the boring things associated with the farmers and i hope you don't think of it sad i don't i don't intend it yeah but <laughs> but there, there there's some things that's like i'll give you an example um we talked about smarter every day off mic earlier and mm-hmm. uh and one of the videos Destin did uh, was on uh, grain mills, and hmm. never in my life did I think a twenty-minute video on a grain mill would be interesting. But my goodness, that was a brilliantly executed, very interesting uh, film film uh, video about how a grain mill is built, but also what it does. And he kind of delved into you know the farmer farming side of things. And you were talking about how you know farmers are business guys and chemists and and all this and you're trying to figure out you know ph and all this i mean they're they're brilliant brilliant folks and there's so much that goes into getting soybeans from their grain mill to the the destination i don't remember if it was soybeans but it was something something like that peas i don't remember i don't remember the crop but it was really really cool and really interesting and and to somebody like me who doesn't have a whole lot of knowledge on that i was like no this is great this is the kind of stuff that the community needs it, it's it, it helps people understand and also helps you give respect for what farmers deal with because they deal with a lot yeah no absolutely and i think that having videos like that is amazing having you know a, a first-hand experience like that of, of actually showing people what goes into a lot of these different processes is is really really beneficial for helping people understand that better and like you said it's it's things that you would never imagine are, are really all that interesting and you see them you're like whoa like i was talking to a guy the other day about how they use robots in agriculture now about how they use drones about how they use uh like uh, artificial intelligence in a lot of different ways and that blew his mind he was like what do you mean they use robots in agriculture and i explained it to him and he was like that's the coolest thing i've ever heard and i wasn't aware of this that's super cool <laughs> and i actually so i i initially meant for this episode to go in that direction of like you know let's talk about weird parts of agriculture you don't know about i went a little preachy i i, I apologize for that i wasn't trying that was to interesting get... that's great <laughs> i wasn't trying to get all up in like you need to support agriculture today kind of thing i meant this for more to be like a conversation of like what don't you know about agriculture that you want to know about are you curious about gmos pesticides robots you know technology what what can i broaden your horizons on and I would have said, whoa, 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 back it up a little bit. Did you say robots? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I know this episode is going a little long. I don't want to take you away from anything you're, uh, you've got else planned tonight. I don't know if you've, if you've got other things you want to work on. Um, but I don't, I don't mean to, to take you away from your evening. I'm sure you have other, <laughs> other responsibilities. I um, do have a couple things going on, but uh, I, I don't, I, I don't want to, um, I don't have to break away like right now, right now, but uh if we're going to get into robots that may be worthwhile of spending some time on you know <laughs> at least another time i don't know because like, robots sound super cool well <laughs> I, like I, was, I was going to say since we've, we've since we've kind of covered the general like the basics of agriculture in this episode we've, we've covered a general idea of what you know what what your average consumer would be curious about or what they uh would think i, I think that's a good 
a good place to establish on this episode. We've, we've covered a couple things in depth. I think what I would want to do is is have another episode, since my episodes usually don't tend to go quite this long, um, have another episode where we just, you know, we you write out as many questions you could think of, I'll write out as many topics as I can think of that I think that you probably don't know much about, and we can just have a day where we just discuss that kind of stuff on an episode. We'll talk about robots, we'll talk about, you know, GMOs and pesticides, we'll talk about artificial insemination, all, all the questions that you could potentially ask about agriculture, I'll try to answer. That sounds like a blast. I would love that. Because that's, like I said, that's initially where I was planning on going with this episode and just kind of got a little out of hand. (laughs) Uh, That is is podcasting with me in general. (laughs) So so thanks for your patience on that. Uh, uh, My co-host, if if she gives this listen, she will laugh. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show. I definitely appreciate you putting up with my mini rant there. I kind of get a little... It's been a long time since I've done an episode. I, I took my own hiatus. Like you mentioned earlier, you're on a hiatus right now from your podcast. I am very... Like, this is the first episode I've recorded since uh, going off of on my own hiatus. So I got a little passionate, a little excited, a little, you know, oh, this person hasn't heard my speech yet. Let's give him my speech. <laughs> like, <laughs> I appreciate you so, feeling comfortable to give it. No, that was great. And, uh, and I, I appreciate you have me on to talk about this in general it was really cool to go back to my roots and discuss some of some of these things and delve into stuff that i didn't know about so i really i really enjoyed that yeah well i appreciate you being my first interview for what i'm considering the season two of this podcast um i'm actually planning on having two episodes before this uh kind of discussing what's going to be addressed in season two and season two is all about these kinds of conversations having more serious conversations with uh with consumers about what's going on in the ag industry what needs to be discussed what is being missed in that conversation and then having some goofy conversations of like did you know that we're using drones to look at cows like just like weird stuff and so i think that this is a good first episode for that um that demonstration of like this is what we're gonna be doing for the rest of the season and i look forward to having another episode where you come on and we talk about goofy fun facts that you didn't know about agriculture i look forward to it <laughs> well like i said thank you so much patrick for being on this episode i really appreciate your time um like i said i don't want to pull you away from your responsibilities because i know that you're a busy guy uh but uh, i just very much appreciate especially having you know someone who's not like you say you're you're well versed in in what you know about agriculture but you're not by any means an expert in, in the field so i appreciate you having the confidence to come on here and trust that i wasn't going to just put you in your place so <laughs> fair enough i appreciate you <laughs> not doing that i did i didn't walk away feeling uh stupid i just walked away feeling oh there's a lot i could learn so that was good. and that's all i was hoping for i was just hoping for a conversation where we both walked away with oh there, there's more to this conversation that i initially anticipated good good well that, that's good so uh like i said I, I appreciate your contribution i look forward to having another episode with you um if you have any questions that i can answer right now uh that aren't going to take an hour long to get through i i'd be happy to answer them uh if not i can you know happily start writing out a list of topics that we could talk about for the next episode if you want to write out any questions that you have just based off of what we talked about today or anything that you see in between now and the ep- next episode i'll be happy i'll be happy to answer them then Okay. Other than that, I think that's all I have. So if you have any other questions, comments, concerns, you can address them now. No, I don't think so. I think that I think I think we had a good springboard. I say I think we covered it all, but there's there's still a lot of robots, you know. So so <laughs> a, a good springboard for next time. Yeah, definitely. We left on a bit of a cliffhanger. So teaser, teaser. Um, that's right. The, tune in for the next episode. We're gonna be talking about robots. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So there you have it. That was our first ever interview with your average consumer, with a non-agricultural person. I got to say, it went really well. I had a lot of fun talking to Patrick. He had some great questions, and it was a really interesting conversation. And it kind of opened up my eyes a little bit about the consumers that I've been talking about so much on this podcast, that they have a lot more interest in the industry than I ever imagined. I really look forward to having this segment more on the show and talking to more consumers. And I already have a couple episodes planned out that I hope you guys are looking forward to. I'm definitely going to have Patrick back on. Him and I have already been talking about doing a second part to this to this episode, so you can look out for that probably in a couple weeks. And I definitely have some other consumers that I've already been talking to that are very interested in being on the show. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you guys are really excited about this as much as I am. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope you tune in next week to see the next consumer interview. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer.